0: Hey crack fans! stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there and if you tell your opponent what do I use on my racket I use the mega tack you're going to be attacking with that mega tack from start to finish if you've seen anything we do at crack rackets you know I'm a hairy guy as you can imagine I sweat when I play the only grip that works for me is the turna tennis grip of course the mega tack taking things to the next level how can you get yourself hooked up with a turna grip today it's simple you're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods about the mega tack the tackiest grip on the market contact sales at unique and get started with our friends at turn of to tennis today welcome to hey great shot it's the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel podcast network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. If. It's a Monday. You know what we're talking about on this show. Another ATP Challenger-centric episode from Cracked Rackets contributors Damien Kust and Jacob Babaro. On today's episode, the guys discuss the differences between in-person and live stream tennis viewing. Now, this conversation comes after both guys had the opportunity to attend some Challenger action themselves in person last week. As such, you also get to hear some of Damien's conversations with both Ryan Penniston and Mats Rose. You'll get to hear Damian and Jakob discuss the remaining upside in the game of Jay Clark and so much more. It's another fantastic episode that we know all of you fans are going to enjoy. Of course, it's busy times right now across levels in the tennis world. You look on the ATP and WTA Pro Circuit, you've got the 1,000-level action happening in Madrid. French Open starts at the end of this month, folks, so certainly the clay court play only going to continue to heat up. And then it's May Madness time, folks. NCAA tournament coming up in the college tennis world. Play starts this weekend. As such, we've got plenty of preview content for you over the next week here on this show. We'll have shows for you Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, breaking everything down. We've actually got our mailbag episode that we're going to record Thursday night. So if you have any questions about the college tennis postseason, feel free to send those in to us by tweeting at Crack Rackets or tweet me directly at AL Gruskin. Of course, we'll be covering all that Madrid action on the Mini Break podcast feed, talking to countless guests over on our Cracked Interviews podcast as well. So to find all of that content, ensure you remain updated on the latest happenings in the tennis world, be sure to head over to our website, crackedrackets.com, like, rate, subscribe, review to all of our podcasts as well. And of course, why are we able to record as many things as we do here on the Great Shot podcast feed? It's because of the support we get from all of you. And of course, the support we get from our friends at Turna and all of you listening to this podcast today have seen a turn of grip in action, whether it be at your local club, a professional or collegiate junior-level match that you attended. Just about everyone's using turn of grip folks. That's because, simply put, it's the best in the business. That iconic blue-purple grip has been serving tennis players so well now for decades. And of course, if you want to learn more about the Turner family, not just the exceptional grips they offer, but the strings, the equipment, so much more, you can contact them by emailing sales at of course, if you mentioned Cracked Rackets sent you and you're interested in making a purchase, they'll hook you up with discounts, hook you up with free samples as well. Treat you like family. We are so grateful for that fact, so grateful for the support we get from our friends at Turna. The least we can do, ask you to support them as well. Again, email sales at uniquesports.com today to join the Turner family. But with that said, let's get to it. Another ATP Challenger-centric episode from Cracked Rackets contributors Damien Koost and Jakob Barbaro.
1: Uh, hello, uh, welcome to the next episode of the of this Challenger related show or whatever it's called. I'm once again joined by my friend Jakub and we're going to discuss the five events, five events, yeah, that, that's what happened this week. Uh, we're definitely going to focus on one of them a little bit more than, than on the other. Uh, yeah. Which one is that?
2: <laughs> well, that would be Ostrava, I just wanted to say, are, are we not a Challenger Tour podcast? It's something,
1: um, I mean... <laughs> We were at the beginning, but I mean, no one at Crack Rockets like calls us that. There, I don't know if you notice.
2: I, I actually don't. Wait.
1: Yeah, like like all the episodes are noted are are, are signed like uh, ATP Challenger to recap featuring uh, Diamond Kosta and Jakub Bobra or something like this. So I mean I have no idea what our name is. Uh, but I mean I, I usually say yeah I usually say the Challenger to the podcast at the beginning. That was that was definitely the name that I assigned to it when I when I first started that. Uh, and this was also the name when you when you joined, but then yeah, uh, yeah then something weird happened, uh, and I, at this point I don't even know if we have a name. Uh, but I mean, th- th- that's not necessarily uh, of utmost importance. I think uh, if if someone asks you, you can say whatever you want, really.
2: Yeah, no, I, I was just confused. Yeah, we we, we are written down as, as the Challenger Tour recap. Yeah, uh, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. So let's start recapping. Let's get to that. Let's get to Ostrava. Where Evan Furness, the qualifier, took the title over Ryan Penisted, 4 6, 7, 6, 6, 1. his first challenger title, moves up 64 spots, number 214, huge for his career, uh, to to make this jump, gets him out of quote, challenger qualifying at, at most events, that's for sure, uh, breaks the top 250, and what a run it was beating Krummich and Verbeek in the qualifying. Uh, beating Latsko, which isn't that impressive, but then he beat Seng <laughs> with the same result, same scoreline, 6-1, 6-1, 6-1, 6-1. 6-1. Tough match against Zdenek Kolaj, uh, beat Lestian in the semifinals. How did you like Evan Furness in, in Ostrava since you were there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I sort of kept treating him not seriously. <laughs> and maybe it's shame on me. But I mean, uh, Seng, when we talked about Ostrava the, the we, you know, on the previous episode, Seng seemed to us like the only firm favorite, really. And I mean, that, that second round was just a shocker for me. And then I, I still didn't really picture even Furness as someone who could win it. Even though I imagine when Seng was out, it was uh, actually in the in the quarters, there was just one seeded player as well, then a collage. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, the field was very even, but they still didn't really look at Furness. I probably didn't even look at Furness as a potential winner until he leveled the match in the final, really. Like, I, I was pretty sure oh. Ryan Pennington was going to take it. Oh. And I, I don't mean that there's any disrespect to even Furness, but I mean, uh, with the game that he has, that sort of very defensive play style, you always sort of think of him as, you know, a, a guy who could maybe nick a title somewhere, uh, but, but, you know, I, I would have never expected it to be this week, but he was excellent. I, I like that he's uh, definitely, in. you know, he has that intent to be more aggressive. Some, some forehands that he played this week were like actually scary. And even, you know, he played his doubles partner, Ryan Peniston, in the final. But even in the, in the doubles that they played, you could see that they were both in, in great form returning very well. Uh, also, volleys. I mean, I didn't expect that these two guys were actually such good volleyers. Uh, you, you don't really see that in their singles game because they're, you well, know, maybe isn't as counter, as much of a, a counterpuncher as Fairness, but I mean, still... It's not like you know that they're not net rushing every single point or something you don't really get to watch the the volleys that much, but I was definitely uh impressed by the the you know the, the sheer variety that these players have because uh when you when you watch someone on the stream, i feel like uh there if there's a player who doesn't really have that sort of uh you know killer shot that can just uh destroy someone in neutral rallies, you sort of tend to think of him as like like he's doing the same on every single ball, and I think the it, it's something that the stream doesn't really tell you. Like watching watching them live, you can actually see more of uh, how every single ball is actually uh, much more thought out than than you'd think. Just uh, you know, just seeing it on TV or or especially on these challenger streams that are so pixelated. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah, I mean, we're we're going to talk about pixelation later on uh, in one of these tournaments. It was a particularly bad one, I think, this week. Okay. Um, But, yeah, a bit more on on Penniston, his third challenger final. Uh, No titles, all losses. Um, Yeah, losses to Agamemnon at Borges and now Furness. At least this time he he won a set. Um, He moves up 27 spots, number 200, therefore obviously breaking the top 200. Uh, And on his road beat Bornagoyo, Yuri Rodionov, Mats Rosenkratz, and Dalibor Sforchina. Yes. Where do you think uh, Beniston goes from here?
1: Yeah, I mean, th- I think this is a great spot to put forward our because we have two interviews for you this week. Uh, one is with Ryan Peniston, so I think this is the point where you should listen to it. And this is recorded after his quarterfinal win against Mats Ljunggrens. Uh, so for for a few years in your professional career, you, especially while you were in college, you barely played on clay. Did you always feel like this was a good surface for you, or did perfecting your game on it like require a lot of time effort? Yeah, so. So yeah,
3: during my college career, I didn't play on clay at all, like during mm-hmm. four years, but the thing is, I used to train uh, in France right? nice, yeah. from the ages of 13 to 18, so I played a ton, I played a lot okay. on clay uh, during that, so yeah, after college it, it took me a little bit to, um, of time to get used to it, but now I feel like I've got back in the spring and uh, really enjoying uh, my time on the clay.
1: Uh, I wanted to ask you about the exhibitions like the UK Pro League and the Bottle of the Blues, yeah, yeah. because it seems like not long after you started like really excelling, were they important yeah. in your progress?
3: Yeah, 100%. I mean, it was great um, that they did hold those, because, obviously because of Covid there were no tournaments, but um, yeah, it was great matches against um, some really good players, um, top 100 players. So, And I actually like had chances, like I held my own, I played well. so. That gave me a lot of confidence for sure and I think that helped uh, after the times.
1: Definitely good luck. And maybe lastly, uh, do you have any specific goals for this year or are you just, you know, taking it week by week? Yeah, I mean I both. I'm taking it week by week, mm-hmm. but I'm
3: also for sure like my goal is to be definitely top two hundred um as soon as I can and then next one would be top top 100. Um and yeah, I definitely wanna be playing in the slams, um, try to get main draw, that's
1: the goal. All right. Thank you, man. Thank you. Good luck much. tomorrow. Cheers. Yeah, and as you as you heard, he we, we basically talked to a lot about clay and how he never really played on it when he was in college, but he trained at Nice at Nice, like uh, between the ages of uh, 15, thirteen and eighteen. So a lot of time, a lot of practice on clay, and it's really paying off right now because all the three finals that you mentioned came on clay. Uh, and as you as you said, he. Uh, he finally won a set in one, so I guess it's it's something, uh, you know, it's a good sign. Uh, but certainly he could have won this one, was just two points away in, in the second set. Just he didn't really play that well in the tiebreak. Up until 6-4, six, 6-6, six, six, I think he was definitely the better player. Uh, then some physical issues in the third, you cannot really do that do anything about it. But I guess it also comes from stress a lot of the time right so some cramps are are usually connected to this as well Uh, where does he go from here uh on the in the interview you heard him say that one of his goals right now is to reach the top 200 very shortly and he actually did that just one much later (laughs) because he's going to be the the new atp 200 uh on monday right so uh so he's already done that but obviously his his dreams don't end there uh, I, I just talked I talked to a few people about him this week and I mean, uh, no one really believes that he can reach the top 100. But then again, if you asked anyone about Ryan Peniston like two years ago, would anyone uh, have an idea that he was going to be as successful as he is right now? Obviously not. Uh, this is This is a guy who came uh, very much out of the blue. And I mean, we've seen weird, weirder things happen in tennis. He has a very unpleasant game to face with that lefty spins and all. Uh, I, I, I'm definitely not like, you know, I I don't think he has a top 100 game at all. Uh, But I, I, the guy was very cool and seems just seems like someone who's put in a lot of hard work to get where he is. And that's always something that makes, makes it very easy to root for, for guys like this.
2: Uh, yes, uh, we, we should talk about some of the semi-finalists here. Well, both of them. Uh, but the first one, which I think was a bit more interesting, here was uh, Svrcina reaching the semi-finals. Uh, four matches, four battles. It looks like uh, beat Mute, uh, seven six in the in the third. Uh, then Midler, uh, for Tech, and then lost to Peniston. Um, back to back semi-finals. Well, we, we reached uh, reached the final last week. Semi-final this week. And breaks the top two hundred. Um, yeah, what, what, what do you think this means for for Sochina going forward? And, and where would you rank him in this sort of, you know, this, this group of young Czechs that we have here?
1: Yeah, I, I'm laughing because this is a discussion that I had like I don't know, Monday or Tuesday with a friend in Ostrava, <laughs> and like he he literally asked me the same question. Uh, and then it, it was during the match against Mute, so that was probably Tuesday. And I literally replied that the second after Hechka. and I think that's sort of fair. Like he's just he's 19, he's still very very raw. Like comparing him to Forretek, who he played here in the quarters. Maybe we're gonna talk about him in a, in a sec. I mean, uh, the, the 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 balance of their games, like how how well they actually know what they want to do on the courts, it it's it's really different. Uh, you you can, even though Stina is right now 5-0 against Foratec in in 3-0 in the pros and 2-0 in the juniors. So that might sound a little bit crazy, but I mean Stina you can see that he's younger. You can see that he still has to take some time to get there, but you can also see all the natural ability that he has. Uh, I think it's no not really a surprise that there were so many deciding sets with him this week, because he doesn't really have these you know easy ways to win points. Like it, it's not really clear how he should be able to how he should approach a tennis match, and I, I it's a really tough player to to understand at this point. Like he, he can do a lot of things on the court. Definitely needs to improve his serve. Like that's that's the number one thing that's keeping him keeping him you know, holding him back right now, uh, but I was I was very very impressed with him this week uh, as we as we talked about it in Prague, uh, that run to the final was sort of I mean it, it was it was one of the easiest runs you can get really. Uh, yeah. What was it? Krutik, Ionel, then uh, yeah, retirement. Yeah? retirement then yeah, over. Yeah.
2: get to the final so that was was a bit of a a random run but but he you know he 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 performed this
1: year he totally proved it yeah he totally proved it that he can do it obviously he already has a challenger title from last year uh but i think even even from that prague title he he's come a long way really and and I'm, i'm super excited to watch him going forward forward
2: yeah i mean like you you say that he's sort of more raw um that that doesn't really I guess, think about as he like, like, like doesn't quite know what what he wants to do on the court. I feel like that's that's even more impressive when you look at his potential, uh, because he is ranking-wise sort of on another level level to 4 eight, 8 uh, even though he's a year and a half younger, sort of that step above. Uh, so I think going forward, if he figures all that stuff out, if he figures his serve out, which we've seen players do before, uh improve their serves quite severely it, a lot of get... a lot of why he's higher up it, it, it's funny because
1: a lot of that is on their their matchup because here yeah. they met in the quarters here and they met in the semis at prague last year so like the huh. the two biggest no 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 not the two biggest because he also had prague last week but i mean the two of the three biggest runs china had he's beaten for a on them and like it could have been for <laughs> atec instead of him right
2: That's that's actually very interesting to think about, so we might have this sort of rivalry with these two guys. Um, Yeah, the the other semi-finalist was uh, Konstant Lestien, who beat Kasper Żuk, uh, who's actually playing in in the Slovak Extraliga this week um, for a tiny town of 2000 people. I have no idea Mm. how they managed to get him to to do this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but,
1: I yeah. I don't know. I mean, he wasn't playing anything this week, so I don't know. Maybe he just wanted any much rhythm. Uh,
2: I mean, we'll we'll see who he plays if he actually turns up. Because because so far it's, he's only on the on the roster. Okay. He's play on 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 Monday, uh, but he's not signed up to anything this week. Um, yeah. So I, I presume that he's going to be there, playing for Yastvskiy um, Bohunice, which is famous for having a nuclear factory. Um,
1: Never heard of it. It's if, if in case you're wondering, no.
2: but yeah, it's literally a town of two thousand people. I have no idea okay. how they call. Anyway, Lestian beat Juk six of six one, got a retirement from Denis Novak, um, and then uh, beat Sachko seven five in the third. Sachko is actually the other guy on the team with him uh, with with Juk. <laughs> um, but yeah, then the lost to Furnes. Um, good week for for Lestien here. Uh, sort of broke this negative run that he had. Uh, do, do you think that he'll, he'll go on and, and perform this summer?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't exactly too impressed with him on clay. Like, he was just very solid, very quick around the court for sure. But I I, I didn't really see the weapons that you can see from him on, indoors. Like, he, he definitely struggled a bit in, in just, just winning points against players like Sachko if they didn't make a mistake against Jouk as well. I mean, 57 minutes, Jouk was trying to play aggressively and Lestien was just getting everything back, um, which was obviously, it was a great performance, not not to take any away from, away from him. I think he should definitely get uh, some sort of job, uh, a job as a TV commentator for French TV because he's like, he probably talks more during his matches than some of the commentators. <laughs> like he was just non-stop talking and also got into some disputes with with Sachko. Uh but, you know, it, it made it fun to watch for sure. Uh as in terms of his game, I mean on, on Clay, honestly, it, it seemed kind of bland, although there was some great shot making, like the, the drop shots. Or just it it seemed like whenever the rally got really long, he would just get extra focused. I mean, a lot a lot of his issues are coming from the fact that his focus isn't always there, right? So I guess it kind of makes sense.
2: Yeah, and a couple of quarterfinals we wanted to mention. Uh Rosenkrantz uh making the quarterfinals as a, as a qualifier, finally coming good on clay. On we talked about him on clay beginning of the year. Uh beat uh Shimon malis, then Lukas Klein. In qualifying, in the main draw, he beat Vukic and Justino in three sets uh, before losing to Penniston.
1: Yeah, a pretty incredible run of close matches as well. Uh, He was down 2-4 in the second against Vukic. He saved three match points against Klein. Uh, But here we also have an interview with Mats Rosenkrantz, and there's a a point that I will want to make about it. Uh, And I think this was after he defeated Justino in the second round. So you don't usually do that well on clay. Can you tell me about the changes that you made in order to succeed here?
4: Uh, I mean, I did actually play quite well on clay already. I think I won my first title in the future tour on yeah. clay already. I also qualified and won a round last year in Musi as a challenger. Yeah. So I think I, I always know I can play on clay. Um, of course, it's like, I prefer like quicker surfaces as well, but um, yeah, I mean... Uh, I practiced like a lot, like I did some preparation, um, the first tournaments weren't that, that well for me and um, now like I think I adjusted quite well and um, now I think I'm prepared like for the play season.
1: I saw you weren't serving volleying that much, like only on the important points, is it like a strategy to get back to what you're comfortable with and on the on break points or...?
4: Um, of course, like uh, a 7-volley is like a part of my game. Um, I always try to involve it, like uh, sometimes more, sometimes less, depends on the opponent. Um, today I would have liked to play even more 7-volley, but I felt like I didn't have like, a, at sometimes a great percentage of my surf, so I were not able like, to play it on the first serve, and on the second serve it's sometimes a little bit difficult. But yeah, like uh, today, like 7-1, helped me a lot, like, uh, in the important situations.
1: Yeah. And lastly, uh, you had so many tough matches here already. Do you feel like there's, like, less pressure on you right now? Uh, because you saved three, uh, three match points three matches ago?
4: No, like, I think, like, the pressure is always the same. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if, you're, if you reach the next round, it's always, like, you want to win it. Um, so you're always, like, in the same situation, I think um yeah i feel like a little bit tired right now but i also did like before the match so but uh, i hope like i can recover tomorrow well because a of day off. so we will see thank you good luck on friday
1: yeah and as you heard he is very confident about his clay abilities and if you told me that like a week ago i would be really and right cool. now
2: he, he, after he, he watching him Andrew last week that's that and and, and i know that, before it's it's weird
1: but i mean after after watching him like don't i do not even care about the results like it's it's not really about that when you watch Mats rosenkrantz on a stream you're like okay he's a super tall guy servant volier he probably doesn't like move that well he's you know sort of slow and all and then you come to you come to watch him live on clay and it turns out that he has like this great baseline game and that he moves very well like lateral, he covers a lot of stuff against guys like Giustino. I don't know, Vukic obviously isn't great uh, on clay either, but I mean, he he can still move the ball around the court, right? And Giustino, of course, is an expert in that. And, and Rosenkrantz was just uh, really sticking uh, sticking with them in in the baseline rallies, and that was a shock to me. I I did not expect that the the fact that this guy has such a great baseline game and uh, that he moves so well. And this is probably also one of the things that I would never really be able to to spot on stream. Uh, so <laughs> I'm glad to I'm glad to have the have had the chance to 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 see that because I'm I'm definitely thinking more of uh, Mats and right now. Like that there's actually some real chances there to, to keep progressing. Whereas in the, in the past, I sort of had him as this maybe like Ivo Karlovician figure where you can pre- he can pretty much lose to anyone and also beat anyone. And I don't think it's, it's really the case. His base on game is just way, way better than I get than I you know, gave, gave him credit for in the past.
2: Yeah, no, I mean he he is quite good. I, I watched him against uh, Klein, and that was obviously kind of a frustrating match from from his perspective. Um, but yeah, he he was good in it. He he hung in the rallies uh, and and made Klein eventually make mistakes, uh, which which you can do sometimes. Um, yeah, the, the other quarterfinals you sort of hinted at mentioning uh, Jonas Foretek making making good on the wild card here, beating uh, Kovalik and Popko before losing to Sforcina. Um, yeah, where, 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 where do you think he's he's going for it? Like he's not really made that much of a step up. Um, yeah, but where, 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 where do you think his career is sort of headed now?
1: I think he's made a step up, not in terms of the results, because as you said, that like, it's just like a, a quarter here, a semi, a semi here, maybe like he he had a semi right in, uh in France in in in, in, yeah, in March. Yeah, real. Yeah, yeah, and then. Uh, but uh, I think he's made some very drastic changes to his game, especially in how forehand-oriented it is right now. Like, I I always enjoyed his forehand a lot, the the footwork around it, but right now it's like a really huge weapon. And it's even huge to a point where against China, especially in the first set, he just tried to blast it on every single occasion like he it was like watching carlos alcaraz or something <laughs> obviously uh, uh, not to this extent but i mean w- when you see these periods of overhitting sometimes in in alcaraz where he just decides to just go for the winner on every single ball that was what foratec was doing in the first second uh, in the first set against china and i think he he's also sort of in a weird place right now where he suddenly realized that wow my forehand is actually is actually a weapon and he's trying to just use it constantly just doesn't really know how to how to balance it out yet but i i think he'll be rising up the rankings too uh honestly after sang went out he was my like winner pick for the rest of the week especially oh. after i saw him beat popco uh i i thought that was potentially a tricky matchup with how well popco defends because he, that you know, that's a guy who can always trip you up. He did that to offner in the first round, definitely. And then Foraytek just comes out and blasts a huge number of you know, forehand winners past him. And I, I thought that maybe in a, you know this China matchup, it, it's not really. I still don't think it's really like um, any any sort of issue in terms of how they, how their games work together. Maybe maybe it's a mental thing at this point already. Uh, you know maybe when you have a colleague that's 19 months younger and you were the junior were number one you you can it, it can also hurt you know to to, lose to him five times or something but but as i said i uh the, the there's been a definite change in how much his game is reliant on his for, uh, is relying on his forehand and i don't think that's a that's a bad thing because the, this shot has really uh you know it it, it it has a lot more power to it now Great. Should we move on to the next tournament? Uh, let me think. I think we should also mention the doubles draw. But also before that, uh, Kasper Zuk was there. was in Ostrava with a very interesting person. <laughs> if you, if you may, uh, if you may want to call him that. I mean, Zuk uh, just uh, stopped working with his previous coach, uh, Alexander Herpantidis, and came to Ostrava with Jerzy Janovic. Uh, oh which is quite surprising yeah and apparently they're going to like sort of work together for the next 2-3 months janovic wants to play in poznan the the challenger during the second week uh of Garas. and apparently he wants to play there and after you know basing on, on how he does there uh, he's going to decide some things for you know for for his comeback or whether it's even going to be a uh, uh, a real comeback or not and he and joke uh Juk, he he's not going to travel to, to uh, with him to every single tournament i'm not sure to how many i just know that, that that's what joke said uh, but apparently, it's a sort of a coach uh, protege deal, which was very surprising to me. Even when you know, I d- I d- I remember uh, just being in the uh, in in the stands somewhere, and I saw Jerzy Janowicz from a distance, and there was like someone walking with him, and I didn't even realize it was Kasper Żuk at first, like. I was just looking what what is it he doing here, and I was <laughs> uh, you know just just thinking in my head like whether whether there's any chance he's playing here, but obviously obviously not. Uh, so no, he was just there as a as a coach to Juk. Uh, they practiced on on Monday, and then he watched him lose in fifty seven minutes to uh, Lestien. So I guess that that wasn't a great start.
2: Uh, now, now I'm absolutely thinking is Janowicz <laughs> coming to the to the Slovak village to watch him play the Extraliga um, <laughs> uh, I mean it's, it's close Do to I, Poland find out.
1: doubt it's possible uh, I guess yeah th- there's also one more thing in singles that I want to talk about but I think I will find the space for it later uh, okay. a small spoiler uh, Jakub Mencik as well I really wanted to see that guy uh, but uh, yeah, there wasn't that much to see uh, against Midler. He looked even more lost than he did against Brody in Belgrade. Uh, but there is some potential there that that maybe some other juniors don't have. Just you know, just needs a lot, a lot more time. Still, uh, I, I I'm not saying I expected him to win against Midler, but but just keep it somewhat close. Product. Yeah,
2: he, he is he is 16 years old did did also lose the uh, the Prague qualifying actually retired after the first set yeah um so yeah hope hopefully we see more from him in a couple of years uh when it comes to men's chic yes you just want to mention the doubles
1: yes definitely because we we need to be campaigning for more people to watch doubles <laughs> Uh, i actually liked the turnout like the, uh, a few people really stayed on the on the doubles final which was cool and was a good final i mean adler midler Ries, back the, the the top 2 pairings yeah, in the yeah. tournament uh their roads to the final were completely different like adler and midler like badly had a match before you know i mean gengel yeah, rosso you, you could argue you, you, right
2: but, well yeah the the, the the first one was definitely a match gengel rosso the second one was uh, Milos Karol, who got a wild card with with Jermar, who I actually don't know who it, who he is, twenty two years old, n- number nine hundred and eighty eight. Um, yeah, anyway, they weren't that much of a match in the, the quarterfinal. That they got a walkover. Um, but yeah, obviously very different for recent Verbeek. Um, with yeah, starting with b- being pushed to a super tie break by Hožak and and beat P- Jevietski Valkov, and then Pavlasek Zelenay. Yeah, uh, so that
1: yeah. they they really had a tough time. Like Drzewiecki Valkov, Pawlak, Zelenay, and Edler Midler is a is a very brutal draw to uh, yeah. to win a challenger title, and they they didn't end up doing that. Uh, I've heard a lot about uh, the the struggle of playing with singles players this week because uh, well, Piotr Matuszewski uh, apparently played with Sachko uh, like was signed up for two tournaments with Sachko before this this year, and both times Sachko withdrew like at the last minute from the doubles uh and this this well the, this week he withdrew before the semis that's actually like not his fault he injured himself in the in the match against Lestienne uh but it's still like another argument why doubles players should probably try to look uh for you know for for someone to to, to play with that's is also only focused on this really because uh, that creates uh, a bit of a conflict of interest. That that can really, uh, at times, be be very troubling. If 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 doubles, you know, is is if you're only only at the tournament for the doubles, and someone is just your partner is just treating it as you know extra money. If I'm already there, then that's uh, that that can be an issue, really. Uh, yeah, I guess we can finish there.
2: It's all about, yep. the, it's all about the personal fit in doubles. Uh-huh. I think there are. Mm-hmm. There have been partnerships where one of the guys is a singles player and it works for a limited amount of time, I think. Um, but yeah, there's always that added risk. But then again, you yeah. you look at Lushevsky in his position; uh, he's, he's, he's his ranking is quite low. Yeah. Um, probably need somebody on the on the single side to get him in in the first place in the, in the tournament
1: in, in in a lot of the tournaments he'd probably needed yeah i i know he's playing in uh this week with treviatsky so I, I i hope they you know they play together more i think he was also like supposed to go. Uh, to another tournament and play with a singles player, but then he changed his mind. Yeah. I, I know, yeah, his ranking isn't great and it isn't great for a reason because he only won one match before this before this event this year. Uh so so it's so it's hard, but I, I think you know uh looking at uh how how the week progressed and I mean even even the other withdrawals, uh Mats Morang and Denis Novak, I mean they're they're both singles players so they're not gonna really uh, care about it, but uh, yeah. they withdrew because Moraing lost in singles and just wanted to go home. And I think it was the same with Andrew Paulson even. So, um, yeah, that, that's like, I, I believe if you're a doubles player, it's it's really worth looking for, for someone to, to play on a regular basis, like Borges and Cabral did, or I don't know, Erler Miller or Werbeck even, or, although they, they're they sort of like mixing with other partners, but I mean, they're they're still playing with each other plenty.
2: Yeah, I mean, sometimes it can work for you as, as a doubles guy, like like Kulhoff, who openly admitting to using Stefanos Tsitsipas to, to get into the Masters <laughs> yeah. 1,000 tournaments. Uh, which that, that, that's just funny to me. I'll, I'll never forget about that. But yeah, I, I I do like sort of, I don't know, the, the separation when you, when you have two singles guys play, play doubles together, the team up against, come up against two doubles guys. Um, like a lot of people just assume that it's a talent thing, that the singles players are more talented, they should win the match. Um, but doubles is a whole another discipline. Yeah,
1: that you need to play in It requires different strengths. So, like, yeah, doubles players are, you know, in ninety nine percent of the cases, singles players who didn't manage to become singles players.
2: Oh, of course, yeah. Uh,
1: but I mean, maybe they just have some different strengths that would, you
2: know, fit or, uh, or, or physically. So, so much of it is about is about chemistry. It's it's about communication. Like a lot of things that singles players are just not used to doing ever. Like, yeah. like I, I don't know how much singles players talk on a chord between each other as as, as a doubles team. Uh,
1: Probably less I I'm I'm assuming, yeah. yeah.
2: So yeah, I I I do I do love doubles. Um yes, should we go on to Rome? Sure. Yes, Rome, where we're in an all Italian final, Franco Agaminone taking the title over Gianmarco Moroni, his third challenger title, never lost in the final so far, Agamenone moves up 25 spots, number 151. Uh, his road was beating Manuel Guinard, Jonathan Eiseric, uh Giulio Cepieri, and Flavio Coboli. Uh Yeah, thoughts on Agamemnon's run here?
1: Yeah, I think we last year when he suddenly emerged as a challenger threat, we probably sort of, at least I did, I probably sort of thought that maybe this was going to be like a one year that he's so good. And I mean, Kept yeah, it up yeah, he somehow keeps doing this. And it's, it, it's really insane that you can just progress from a rather random ITF guy to, to this. Yeah. Because he wasn't like a rather random, he wasn't like exactly goating on the ITF tour. Right. <laughs> he, he was just, There, like he he played. I can't remember at this point. I checked these stats like a hundred times last year. I think he played like in a few challenger main draws before two thousand twenty one, and right now he's almost ready to enter the top one hundred (laughs) and fifty. So, I mean, it's it's just ridiculous, and he had a fantastic performance in the final. I did not see a lot of Rome this week because it was mostly uh, overlapping with Ostrava. So I can't really speak for most of Agamenon's matches. I am very surprised that the only player he lost a set to was Jonathan Isric. <laughs> that's for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, as, as, as for our losing finalists here, Gianmarco Moroni, fifth Challenger final, one in four record. Uh, but still moves up 15 spots, number 163. His run, um, including beating Gilles Simon in the first round, uh, then his Ergi Kirkin, and then uh, preventing Quentin Alice from entering the top 100 in the semifinals. Um, Yeah, thoughts on Moroni?
1: Uh, He's like, to me, I I just had this thought today. I can't remember what I was doing, but I was definitely in the bathroom I don't think I was taking a shower. I can't remember. Anyhow, I, I had this thought about Moroni, that he's like this classic. When I think of a challenger player, I think of like someone like Gianmarco Moroni, who has quite a bit of talent, but just can't show it on a consistent basis. Like he just randomly has these performances where he's suddenly great, and then goes to another match. And I, I, I wouldn't say he played extremely poorly in the final. But the opening set for sure. Yeah, the opening set was first just awful. And I, 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 you just can't really understand it. And you feel like that it's like the only thing that separates these guys from lower main tour players, let's say is simply the, the consistency of how often they can produce their best tennis and it's it's only like the mental side of things keeping and keeping them behind that, that's that's like the yeah, the big thought I had about Gianmarco Boroni today.
2: Yeah and I mean he, he's been bad this year. He, he was 8 and 13 coming into this tournament yeah. uh, won back to back matches what twice I think in re- reaching the quarterly the, the four league quarterfinals and qualifying for, for Poon. Outside of that, just random win here and there and then a loss right the way after it. Uh, but yeah, Moroni I often think about as like the perfect average challenger player in a in a draw. Um, yeah, as for the semifinalists, uh, Quentin Alice is <laughs> disappointing definitely himself the most. Uh, as he he, he gets in your career higher ranking of number 101, uh, but still me- misses out on the top one hundred by currently is six points. six points yeah six points of Mikhail Emer uh must be truly frustrating for him but to go through his run here uh he beat Enzo Cuoco and uh Michael Kertz in straight sets before having a, a long three setter against Jesper de Jong and then losing to to Moroni um yeah well what are your thoughts on on Elise here?
1: Yeah, I, I didn't really get to watch him at all. Uh, I, I know the, the comeback against De Jong was just something special again. And he got this second match and I I mean, he's still going to be very close. He's dropping like 31 points. I'm not sure if it's this week or, or the week after, uh, but he's still going to be very close. But it I think it's pretty clear that, that on clay, it's not a given that he's going to get these chances. Like if if he had like I don't know three or four indoor challengers to play right now, I think would be saying like okay, Quentin, this is going to be in the top 100 in four week four week stops. And looking at I mean he's okay on clay. He's definitely not as bad as people think because I seem to uh, I seem to have like experienced some sort of a trend of people on Twitter uh calling players like Quentin Wallace or even like Oscar Ote ballon play like they they really they actually have good results on these surfaces that they're they're probably all surface players and uh but but that's still compared to indoors I mean it's not a given that more chances are gonna come and I I I just I hope he does it because this would be really heartbreaking for him like six points away. Uh, two matches for the top 100 already. As far as I, I tried to look at the past records, and as far as was I was as I was able to uh, you know, look for it, I don't think he had a match like this in 2018 uh, when he was 102 for the first time. I don't think he had a match for the top 100. So these these two against Bergs in Saint Brie and now in, against Moroni in Rome would be his first like this
2: yeah it, it's 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 difficult for him um he's dropping 10 points on on monday that's why he's not reached it this week um and then he has 38 uh, the the week after it yeah so he he basically need um I'm trying to remember what the what the semis for for 100 is but i think it's like 35 so so he so need the final again in accent provence to to reach it next week and by however earlier he loses than that that's points that he has to make up to be to captured. It. It's it's tough for him here.
1: Yeah. And in uh, in June he has he definitely defends a, a final in Forley that he won that he lost to Muraying, right? And a final in uh Porto that he lost to Chalik Bilak. So I mean if he if he doesn't do it until June, it's gonna be like the middle of June. It's gonna be really hard. Uh, he's so, yeah. actually going to fall off again, yeah.
2: So so June should be a good transfer because those are kind of late. Uh, the the Foley points come off on the 20th and the Porto final doesn't come off until the, the 11th of July. Uh, okay. But he still, he still has a couple of... Uh, he he has like uh, Roland Goro qualifying points. That's 16 points. that comes up on the 13th. And Poznan uh, quarterfinal, that's one of his lowest countable results. Oh,
1: 2019 a- Poznan, yeah, because yeah. I was like... <laughs> no, I, w- I was there and I don't remember him, but yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's Poznan from three years ago. Yeah,
2: he, he he needs to keep performing at this level if he wants to break it. Like it's not it's not a given that he does it at Definitely
1: all. Definitely not. Yeah, this was a very important match for him against Moroni, uh, and and he even had like a set point. Uh, I I rewatched the set points from the opening set, and one of them was like a put away volley or something like this. I mean, there was one sad point which he really should have converted. And I mean, who knows if he would have won the match, but still, yeah, this was a very important match. Whereas in the against Berks in St. we I remember us feeling like, okay, he didn't do it this time, but obviously he's going to do it in, in the weeks to come. But I remember he was also signed up for some events in Mexico that he didn't end up going to. Uh, yeah. which was probably a good decision given how much he, how much he played in march and february but i mean still
2: yeah uh the other semifinalist was uh flavio coboli who started with a, with a great match against bonnachorich uh took him out uh Bonachoric's first challenger tour match since like what was it 2019 or something when we looked at i think at
1: 17 it? irving yeah.
2: 2017 wow um yeah, uh, as for as for Chorić, he's scheduled on on the main tour until uh Roland so we'll see when we see him next um but yeah after, after that he beat uh, Fabiano and then uh, canidas happened uh, in the quarterfinals yeah well, what, what do you think this means for for Kaboli continuing um you know to, to get results?
1: I sort of heard that in the in the after the match against the shepherd he was uh, very tired, like that he he probably wouldn't have much of a chance against Agamenone. Uh, that 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 win against Chorich is is huge, I think. Like because if you if you just look at Borna Choric's records before after he came back. Uh, it would seem like he you know he just won one match in three events like maybe he's not doing that great but if you look at he <laughs> whom he played and whom he took a set of like sinners Verev chokin as well right mm-hmm. uh he he was actually playing extremely well and then, then this this win uh this win was a surprise to me uh, i mean, Okay maybe not that big a surprise because we, we definitely thought this was one of the matches of the round and all I I picked charge to win it but like on the on, to win the whole thing but like on the basis that if he beats Koboli I think he becomes one of the favorites uh but yeah he Koboli is also going to get a great chance to to show himself on the main tour now right uh I I can't remember if he has a qualifying wildcard for Rome or a main draw probably main draw right
2: I think it's main draw for for yeah. Rome for yeah, yeah, that
1: would make sense because like qualifying he would be uh that that would that wouldn't be like that wouldn't be huge, right? Yeah, it's it's a it's a major one, yeah. So that, that's a that's a great chance for him.
2: Absolutely. Um as for the, the, the quarter finalists, we we already mentioned them a bit, but but but, but getting this getting the shepherd, uh really I th- I think shocking us here sort of with, with with this run. I didn't personally see it coming, uh especially on, on play. Uh, but he beats Vatucine and, and didn't call in qualifying in straight sets. Then Chelik be like six four in the third. Grenier and he he was a setup on on Koboli in the quarterfinals. Uh, yeah, where, where do you think this has come from for for the Shepard?
1: There's been a few matches this year where he was really good, like against. Uh, do you remember that quarterfinal against Bonzi, uh, like Cherbourg or one of these events? Cherbourg, I think maybe not, maybe not a quarterfinal, maybe a second round, but I, I mean, he, he really kept the the the, the French event that Bonzi won. I think it was yeah, Cherbourg. yeah, it, it, it
2: was Cherbourg's second round, yeah,
1: yeah, and I mean, he really kept it so close, and uh, I was extremely impressed with him there. Then he also won an ITF, but I mean, uh, some just very random losses right now. He also lost to Ishai in Prague in, in yeah. qualies. So it seems like at this stage, he's just super random, but as long as he has this one, you know, just this one peak every single once in a while, I, I, I'm very happy to see it King Kenny peaking is, is always great for tennis
0: really.
2: <laughs> yeah. It, it's stuff that we, we do love to see. Uh, somebody else maybe to mention, uh, Ergi Kirkin, also qualif- uh, uh, qualifying and then reaching the quarterfinals, uh, beat Echeveria and then Gulbis. Gulbis just keeps popping up in these qualifying draws. Like he's, he's played actually quite a bit this year. He's 9-8. and eight. Um, But yeah, they, they qualified, uh, beat Stebe, beat uh, Riedi and then lost to Moroni. Um, yeah, what, 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 what are your thoughts on, on, on Edgy Kirkin? Do you think he can be a, a full-time challenger player at some point?
1: Yeah, I, I, I didn't see him this weekend, but I, I think we got a pretty good chance to, to watch Kirkin in the, in the past couple of months, right? I mean, maybe not a couple of months, but even at the end of last year, it's certainly yep. very possible that he establishes at, himself at some point at the, at the challenger level. Although most most of the time i don't i don't think he's been making quarterfinals right like most of his runs were actually oh. finished earlier so we'll see about that
2: yeah. <laughs> um yeah cuz i mean like, like the, the end of last year he was quite bad he, he had a losing yeah, in, yeah it, it had some you know he he, he did lose to greeks for in on that run but he also lost to milos karol in straight sets in in bratislava
1: oh, i i did not remember that much at all no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I remember it. I, I was shocked to see it, frankly, because I, I didn't even know that Milos Karol was, was playing on that level uh, at all. But um, yeah, should we move on to another tournament here? Sure. Right. Uh, oh, we know the, the, the doubles we should probably mention. Uh, De Jong and, and Stevens uh, won the doubles over Dumbiare Bull in the final, 3-6-7-5-10-8. Uh, a uh, great one to to rewatch. I think I I, I caught a little bit of it. Um, and yeah, that's that's probably, that's probably all to mention from the doubles. But we should move on to another tournament. And that could be Buenos Aires. Why not? Uh, Camilo Hugo wins the title over Andrea Coyarini, 7-5-6-2, his second challenger title. Up 23 spots to number 152. Uh, on his run, he beat Juarez, Diaz Acosta, Villanueva, and Varias. Uh, How did you like Ugo Carabelli this week?
1: Yeah, these tournaments I actually got to see maybe not as much as I usually would have watched them uh, if I was at home. Because, you know, when you come back from eight hours of watching tennis, sometimes you really need a break. (laughs) But I did watch a a fair bit of these. Uh, I mean, Ugo Carabelli, he beat four Argentinians, right? And had this one match against Varias. Vargas was my pick for the title and... At some point, I was really like, "Yeah, this is going to be my point." You were looking like you were gonna get three or four points this week. Four is <laughs> four is maybe a stretch, but three, right? Something like I, this.
2: Yeah, I, I, I had three semi finalists. Uh,
1: uh, Rinki, uh, uh, that's two more guys I can remember now.
2: I had uh, Alice. I had that Alice, and then who was my last one?
1: Uh, has to be in Savannah, so Fratangelo probably. No, no, I probably wasn't really considering Fratangelo seriously, but uh, Alice and Hijikata, I was really afraid of. So Varias was like my, uh, you know, safe harbor. I don't, I don't know what to call it. Like yeah. this was this was the one peak that I thought, Your okay, last... at least yeah, this is my last resort, uh, and yeah, this is uh, this is going to be great. And then it it wasn't, of course. But Uccarabelli is is such a great uh like steady counter puncher that he really frustrated him in these semis uh and he's obviously not just that which he which i think he proved in the finals i was super impressed with andrea Collarini this week by the way like he, he really reminded us that he can play tennis at this level because we haven't i don't feel like we've seen this sort of quality from him in in a while and the, the, yeah, yeah. that the lefty forehand was just uh, such a satisfying shot to watch as well. But I don't think he's played it like this in a really long while. Even when he had these good wins, like um, there was one against Travaglia last year, which Travaglia like sort of tanked.
2: Yeah, th- 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 that was a half tank.
1: Yeah, but still still, it was a good run for Colarini as a whole, that tournament. Can't remember where it was. Uh, something in Czechia maybe, but uh, no, I-, I can't remember. I'm not going to guess. Anyhow.
2: Like yes. Uh-huh. PS- Something like oh that.
1: maybe yeah yeah maybe it was yeah. italy you're right uh and uh Colarini did, didn't play like half as well there as as he did here so mm.
2: yeah so, so, so that tournament was was cordonones ah, yeah yeah in in, in italy yeah queini comes out of nowhere he he's been bad this year he's been losing matches left right and center to anybody half decent um and yeah, Gigi just pulls out this run. Uh, his third challenger final, first one is August 2019 in uh, La Uh Moves up 33 spots, number 227. Uh, just to run through his run again, he beat Gonzalo Lama in the first round, uh, then came back from a set down against Renzo Olivo and Felipe Meligeni Rodriguez Alves. Uh, beat Olivieri in the, in the semifinals, which I, I, I wasn't really expecting before losing to Urukara Bay in the finals. Um. Yeah. Should, should we talk about the semi finalists a bit? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Varias. Varillas, who I thought was going to win the title here. I, I thought that was uh-huh. a point you in, in the bank. Um. Not particularly impressive opposition, I guess. But he he beat uh, Clear Junior, Paul Martin Difon, and Francisco Comessana, uh, before losing to Karabay. Um. Yeah. That, that, that was a weird one where he went up a set and then lost the other two six, one six, love six. Um, yeah, kind of an interesting year for Varias where he's reached the, the semis, he's reached the final. Um, but still, no, no title from this year. Uh, do you think he'll get one at some point this year? <laughs>
1: I mean, he had that final against Jab where he was like a massive favorite to win, yeah. Maybe not massive, but that sort of he edge, still, yeah, yeah, that sort of edge rarely happens in the final, right? Like, yeah. usually, I wouldn't say maybe that's a massive favorite, but in terms of finals, that's that's fairly. Rarely to this extent, someone is expected to win. Um, it, it's certainly possible, but I think he really shot himself in the foot with this loss to Hugo Carabelli. Uh It's not that he's—it's not that he was like a, a massive favorite there and or, and anything. But we talked about the possible prospect of him reaching the top 100 as well and right now he probably just needs like a huge run in exxon provence or the, the the event that he's gonna play after that because his Biela points and uh the the final that he reached Zagreb, i think I like are it. coming off so i mean this is going to be if if he doesn't do it this this month it's gonna be super hard for him to do it this year like the, it would actually require like a huge main tour result or something. Because if you if you go back to the end of last year, there were all these South American challengers and he was doing yeah. very well in them. So it's literally now or never in, in terms of this season.
2: I kind think. of, yeah, it's gonna be something to watch for sure with, with both Alice and uh Varias yeah. in provence and then Bordeaux, uh before they head off. I I I, I actually then uh Alice is also playing Tunis the week of uh, French Open qualifying.
1: Yeah, because he'll get a he'll get a wild yeah. card, yeah.
2: So so he'll get a sort of edge there over over Badia's, who have to go qualify uh, for the French Open. Yeah, so 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 two guys, two weeks. Do you think they'll do you think they'll do it in these next two weeks?
1: I don't see it. I mean, for for varias, I can't remember uh, the draw for Provence. So maybe yes, let's talk about it later.
2: It's a lot of big names. I mean, I I remember there being a lot of big names, but
1: I don't remember like the the sections that are in. Uh, so so that uh, they're actually in the same quarter. So I guess it's, only one of them can make it next week. Yeah, yeah. So maybe let's let's go back to it when we're gonna be talking about Provence then.
2: Exactly. All right. Uh, anything else you want to talk about here in Buenos Aires?
1: I think we can go uh, for to another country.
2: Yeah. Uh, just, just quickly, the, the doubles were mm-hmm. won by uh, Guillermo Duran and Felipe Meligeni Rodriguez Alves. Uh, came back from a set down against Luciano Darderi and Juan Bautista Torres, who were sort of the surprising uh, young team to to make it there. Um, yeah, also the the current number ones, Hidalgo and Rodriguez, were in that draw, but they lost, I think, in the, the quarterfinals there. Right, move on to Morelos, uh, where Jay Clark beat Adrian Menendez Maceiras 614676 to win his third challenger title. Uh, he's had a couple of losses in a row. I, th- I think it was like three in a row. Um, so it's his first, it's April 2019 in Anning, with um, 30 spots, number 161. Mm-hmm. His run tough in the first two rounds. Uh played three against Durasovic, had to save three match points against Eupovic. Uh, but then he beat Kirosh, Hijikata, and and then had this great battle in the final. Um, yeah, what what did you think of Jay Clark this week? I think on this altitude. Uh, like hardcourt,
1: uh his serve got a pretty big boost and it certainly helped him. The performance against Hijikata was great. Uh as I mentioned before, that was like the, the point where I thought Drinky was definitely winning this. Uh it just seemed like you know Hijikata had to play Clark and then potentially Mendendez Maceiras or uh Chung and not even Hyeon Chung. <laughs> The other <laughs> one. yeah the the you you Yun you, Seong right he is, is his name i i'm sorry if i'm totally butchering it anyhow uh yeah that that was like the really impressive performance for me but the final i mean <laughs> should he be struggling so much against Menendez maseras probably not should he is, was it a great performance from the Spaniard yes but at this stage of his career you know. Clark is just um you know that he has a lot of like good things in terms of physicality but he's not really using that like the, he he as i said the, the serve was pretty good on altitude which is which is cool but in terms of the baseline game he's just very passive the the loopy forehand topspin and all and and it it hurts him really i think it, it hurts his potential to to progress Although he obviously has a very decent career uh it's just that he's probably you know not not really close to getting out of this uh i can win weaker challenger, but I can't really be a threat anywhere higher or in in a in a very solid field right
2: yeah the the thing about him is that he he has a sort of like big gaps between the the the, the big runs that he has. He sort of, I mean, he he, he looked great to begin the year, lost to Pilosh in the quarterfinal, then lost to Draper. Yeah, that was a in, good that was uh, a good
1: event. Yeah.
2: After that, he just gave us nothing. He he barely he, he won back-to-back matches what, once, uh, and that was to qualify for for Poon, uh before before coming in here and, and and looking pretty good for the most part. Um, yeah, it was, it was sort of sort of the same last year. Uh, Manama semifinals to to end the year. Before that, nothing. Uh, Ver- Ver- Verona Semis before that, but, but that was August. In between those runs, he was playing nothing at all. Um, yeah, so so, so so it's sort of interesting that he just pops up with these random runs, uh, but seems to be almost unable to string several good weeks together, which is something that will ultimately be more helpful because you get more points that way. Um yeah, I, I I don't really see Clark getting out of here. I I see him sort of sticking around at this level for for a while. Yeah, I mean uh, it's a very decent career, and I mean absolutely. Yeah, it's he's like one
1: hundred and sixty right now in the ATP rankings, yeah. which is yeah. actually like very high. I think if we're we're constantly talking of players who are ranked lower than their potential lives, and in terms of Clark right now, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's not the other way around. Like he, there's definitely a lot of yeah, there's definitely a lot of uh, um, just changes. That I mean, he he introduce. he
2: maximizes it by scheduling. Like the, he he goes to places that that other players okay. don't really go. Yeah. Like, with uh, what was the last year like? Like Nour Sultan, that was a pretty weak one. Yeah, uh, and, and he he made the final. Like like sort of really really gets everything he can out of the rankings. So, but
1: that's true. I mean, if you can, I I was just thinking about that. That if you schedule it, if you schedule like really nicely, you can actually do a lot of things like this. Like that, if you're not playing uh, Garros Qualis, I think there's an 80 in Shimkent where the top seed is Alexander Shevchenko, for example.
2: Yeah, like, I mean, w- 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 there should be somebody, uh, and, and they won't do it, obviously, just because showing up to the qualifying is almost as big of a paycheck <laughs> to, for, for, for them. But, but I would love to see somebody uh, just say, okay, I'm going to go get my 80 points. I'm going to skip the French Open qualifying.
1: Yeah, like, it's not going to happen. But,
2: yeah, I mean, if, if it's like, I don't know. If, if if Moroni does something like that, I feel like it would be genius uh, and, and really help him move, move forward. Would,
1: would Moroni be really, like, guaranteed to make it through the no,
2: no, 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 Not Not guaranteed, but sort of that. It's, it's, it's sort of like confidence of betting on yourself. Yeah, I, I
1: understand, but, I mean, no one's going to do that, really. But no. uh, there, there is a possibility for someone crazy to do something like this. Uh, I, I guess it could happen, like, for example, Ilya Marchenko is playing in Shimkent uh right uh, who, he usually like he has like youtube videos about the fact that he hates clay so yeah. it, it's theoretically possible that he would skip around Garros qualities but i mean even he wouldn't do that because
2: there's Actually, just I, so much money I, involved uh-huh. i think we'll be mixed up here because shimkent is the week before friendship and qualifying uh, there's two
1: shimkent events i'm talking yeah. about the the, the latter
2: oh. all right all right yeah yeah.
1: yeah, because the first, there are a few players. There's Ten Sandgren, Bila, Bilek, Wu, and then Shevchenko is the fourth seed. So, yeah, I'm talking about the Shimkent 2 event. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah, that, that, that makes more sense. I was, I was a little bit confused there. Um, yeah, for, as for Menendez uh, Maceiras, great run. His 17th uh, challenger final. This guy's a real veteran, uh, 36 years old. Uh, he's, he's actually only won four challenges in his career He's, he's had a quite a tough <laughs> Finals record uh, This is his first final since April 2019 In San Luis Potosi He moves up 97 spots to number 351 uh, He got a win uh, Over Britain Schnurr By retirement in the first round But from then uh, Beat Benjamin Locke and Escobedo, Which was a very impressive win um, Then coming back from a set down Against Yun Xiong Chang. And in this great uh, finals performance, yeah. What, what, what did you think of this Mercedes here?
1: Yeah, uh, I, w- I was actually. It's quite funny that he had three challenger titles in 2017 and 18, and the first one was in 2007. So yeah. such a big such a big gap there. Uh, anyhow, when you look back at his records, like a lot of his good runs happened on altitude clay or altitude hard even like here in. Well, maybe not even altitude clay. I I just said it out of uh, you know, it, we usually talk about altitude clay. Like most of them were actually on, on hardcores at altitude. And you could, you could really see that in his game, uh, the, the way he sort of jumps into his forehand and then he's just ready to go to the net. That that works really well. The extra punch that the altitude gives him is, is just really good for his game. And uh, the run, as you said, the Escobedo win is awesome. The others were... Just, again, that this draw just wasn't really that strong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I, I want to give a quick shout-out <laughs> to Viktor Durasovic because I think he's been the most unlucky player uh, of the whole Altitude, Clay, Hardcourts, Mexican uh, you know mm-hmm. series of events. Uh, I don't know if you saw wh- like what he was doing, but he literally lost four matches uh, playing yeah. Jari, Mejia, Wessler Hues- and Clark. So I think in two of these cases, these were ev- eventual champions, and yeah. in all of them he came very close to winning.
2: <laughs> yeah, all, all, all three said matches. The, this this Clark one was actually the the least close one. Uh, he still
1: but led three one in the in the decider.
2: But man, yeah, re- really unlucky for this guy, a guy who could definitely use the points as he's outside the top three hundred. Really looking for a way into the challenger circuit, probably. Um. Yeah, as for the semi-finalists, uh Rinky was was my pick to to win this. Um Beat Pacheco Mendes, uh Jaziri and Diaz looked very dominant uh throughout the weekend and then just came up against Clark Clark outplayed him sort of. Yeah. Uh yeah, what are your thoughts on on Rinky here? Rinky, yeah, I mean, he really should be
1: taking advantage of such a spot. I think with all the twenty-five Ks that he won, Clark isn't isn't exactly a player that could overpower him, which I think is the like the main concern probably with Hidrikata going forward. Uh, but but uh, yeah, the, the, this was definitely the best Clark has played all week. So maybe you know, maybe I shouldn't be too too hard on Rinky, but. Uh, it's just a little weird to me that all these 25Ks aren't turning into uh, a, a wonderful run at Challengers. Although it has to be said that up to the, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, before the semifinals, he was like barely losing games. So
2: Yeah. Um, the other semifinalist was Yun Seong Chang. Uh, he reached his first uh, semifinal since July 2018 in Lexington. And the, the, these two are the only semifinalists that, that that he's reached on the challenger circuit. His run here uh, beat Tomek to start in three sets, then uh, Kovacevic, where he sort of surprised me, uh, then Keegan Smith in the quarterfinals, then was a setup on Menendez Maceiras. Uh Yeah, do, do, do you think we'll see a, a guy like, like Yunseung Chung more more frequently in the future?
1: Honestly, I only watched the match against uh, Menendez Maceiras. Um are we allowed to swear here who knows i mean (laughs) sure uh, alex is not gonna listen to the whole thing definitely not or the or or daniel uh i'm sure they're not they're not listening to the whole thing so i'm just gonna say that the semifinal was a shit show honestly so (laughs) but altitude tennis can look like this like a lot of the time right so I, I'm not exactly, uh, you know, saying that the guy can't play tennis or anything. I, I honestly had very little idea about Yun-seung-chung's uh, game before this week. Uh, I, I, remember, I definitely watched him like, once or twice, but I still don't feel like I, I know his game enough, honestly.
2: That's that's fair enough. Uh, and finally, we had uh, Keegan-Smith reached the quarterfinals as a, as, a, as a qualifier. Uh, dropped the set in the first qualifying round to a Mexican wildcard called Eduardo Bribiascar Ponce, um, who I don't really know, know much about. He is very low ranked, even in the juniors. Um, but yeah, could qualify despite that, uh, beat Santalan in the final qualifying round, then uh, Fajing Sun, who actually qualified here as well, uh, then Alex Hernandez, and then lost to, to Chung. So a bit, a bit of a maybe, maybe fortuitous run for, for Keegan Smith.
1: Yeah definitely the weakest draw we've had all week so uh yeah. there was there was potential in Morelos to to get on a good run. Uh just a few of these players like Escobedo whom we really would expect them to capitalize they didn't.
2: Yeah. Uh in the doubles JC Aragon and Adrian Menendez Maceiras uh won the doubles uh beating Mejia and Quiros. Uh, we also had Bambri Mineni as well. Uh, reaching, reaching the semis, so they keep going strong. Actually, Bambri is playing with uh Ramanata next week. I, uh, I'm i actually not sure why that is. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe he's trying he's just trying different guys out, uh, but he's he seemed to have a good success with Mineni. Still he's not yet.
1: playing singles,
2: right? <laughs> still, still not playing singles, not signed up anymore. We, we, he would get in uh, <laughs> over these other guys. Yes. But, but he's just he's just not doing it. I'm not I, sure. I why. saw
1: him on the Ron Garros entry list. I think so. Maybe he's gonna play there. I I hope so. I mean,
2: yeah. I mean that that is probably more of a a, a financial decision though. Uh, just 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 using the protected ranking in the right spots uh, with the. <laughs> But, but but yeah, the, the, the thing is, he, he would get into the, some of these qualifying even with his regular ranking. Yeah, though. easily.
1: I mean, uh, but there you were just, a few where yeah. you where you just get alternates who are, uh, you know, double specialists, and okay. and he has a, a you know, what what is his ranking? Like six
2: hundred or something? Fifty something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So easily, he he would easily get into these draws. I mean, even Meneni was playing as an alternate uh, when yeah. when they were playing doubles together. So. Uh, Yeah, just some really weird thing going on there. I don't know why he doesn't want to play singles. Maybe it's an injury issue or something. Who knows?
2: Possible, but yeah, who knows? Uh, And finally, finishing off in Savannah, uh, where Jack Sock uh, won the title, beating Christian Harrison 6-4, 6-1 in the final. His fourth Challenger title moves up 16 spots to number 123. Uh, On his road to the final, he beat Torpegat, Nagal, Zhang and Bjorn Fratangelo. How did you like Jack Sock this week?
1: I mean, Sock has been a pretty good clay player for years, right? I mean, the the the, the forehand topspin works beautifully. Uh, he's maybe not as good a mover on it, of course. Uh, and Harrison actually like the only good thing Harrison did in the final was probably exposing the forward movement a few times. <laughs> Uh just wasn't a great performance for Christian at all. Like definitely not compared to the standard that we saw of him earlier in the week. Uh but 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 yeah, uh Sok is so obviously great on Green Clay. We've picked him a few times before to win events like this. Not not this week. Uh this time we didn't decide to go for it and we might regret it. Uh yeah. I didn't yeah. actually even realize that he was so high up in the rankings. Like I uh, I don't know why, but I figured he would still be like around 200. Like, if you ask me, really, I, I don't know why.
2: No, no, no. Yeah, he's doing well in the in the rankings.
1: Yeah, I, ju- I just I just realized that today when I when I checked when you know where he went up to after the the, the live rankings that that he's actually fighting for like Wimbledon main draw or something. Like, he probably he won't could, make it. But
2: could good try. I mean, he is 150 points from the top 100, so he's not threatening. Uh, that really um, but yeah he, he he is pretty high up he, he is consistently seeded uh, in his tournaments and that certainly helps where he doesn't have to start with with a tough match uh, right away um, yeah as for Harrison his second challenger final 0-2 in the finals he was up 54 spots to number 253 I didn't realize that he was he was that low but of course that makes sense um, with, with the results he had, he had last year uh, on his run he beat Ezekiel Clark Alexis Galarno, your pick, Thomas Martinet and then JJ Wolf in a very impressive six-one-six-three dismantling. I I was surprised by by how poor he was in the in the final frankly. Yeah,
1: yeah, that, that's why I said that the you know, exposing Sox movement was probably the only good thing he did in the final because really, uh, he just didn't play up to his standard from the previous matches at all. Uh, maybe it's a mental thing or whatever. Uh, I don't know if you, if you noticed, but this was the, the you know the second Challenger final, as you said, but also the second Challenger final at Savannah. Kind of interesting. Oh
2: uh, yeah, yeah,
1: but, yeah. He he played his both finals here, uh, but I can't remember the match against Delian. I don't think I watched it uh, back in two thousand eighteen. Uh, but just you know, just looking at the score, it looks like he did much better there.
2: Yes. Uh, as for the semi-finalists, we had my pick, uh, Bjorn Fratangelo, uh, who started the week with double bageling. Uh, Mohamed Safwat, who has absolutely fell off. Uh, his his ranking is in the gutter. Um, I'm, I'll, I'm I'm I'm, I'm I, Yeah, we'll we'll see how long we we see him around these parts on on the Challenger tour. Frankly, uh, Denny, uh, good win against uh, guys Brouwer. Have uh, quarterfinal win over mm-hmm. Jose Pereira and the loss to to Sok. He sort of I don't know ran his course. He, yeah. he took advantage of the of the draw he got, uh, which I thought was was very very favorable. That's why I picked him. Uh, but ultimately if you want to reach, if you want to win the title, you need to win a couple more, more, more competitive matches.
1: Yeah. That's why I, when, when we are talking about your possible free, free semifinalists, that was exactly why I, uh, I didn't feel threatened by Fratangelo because I was sort of like, okay, he got to the semis, but when he's going to play someone, uh, you know, in the final or in the semis, he's going to have to play someone who's actually on a, on a higher level than all what he's faced before. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I I I do like to play the percentages in these uh mm-hmm. <laughs> predictions where you know if if there's a guy who seems like an almost sure semifinalist I I do like to pick him. Yeah, underdog. it's a good strategy
1: for sure. I mean, when you're when you get to the semis it's always going to be like 5 or 10% for you even if your guy is an is an underdog in both matches. So, Yeah.
2: The the semifinalists, uh the, the other semifinalist was JJ Wolf. Uh, beat Ramanathan in the first round Jason Kubler in, this, in three sets uh, then uh, Rebakov in the quarterfinals and I was sort of, sort of surprised by by how he lost to, to Harrison just one in three
1: yes he's been like very topsy turvy on these green clay performances also hard true as well uh, let's see how he takes it to Europe I think he played like one match on clay last year if if memory serves right i think he lost it to roberto marcora uh, so uh, uh, so yeah that that's uh we we don't really know much about how yeah. he's going to do in europe
2: we we are going to see him in a, in a challenger uh he's playing zagreb before going to the oh the- really the- I, didn't,
1: yeah. I didn't know
2: yeah so, or, or or so he's scheduled but he can still pull out but yeah he, right now he's yeah. on the list
1: Oh, actually, that was even 2020 when he when he played to Marcora. So uh, when he played against Marcora. Uh, Anyhow, before this year, he only had five matches on clay in his professional career, and I'm assuming that the futures, yeah, probably just one on red clay. So there's like really no telling of how he'll look. I mean, we can assume, and it's probably not going to be great. But (laughs) I I don't want to cross him out uh, because I really don't know.
2: You might surprise us, you never know. Uh, the doubles here were won by, by a Filipino team in uh, Ruben Gonzalez and uh, Tred Huey. Uh, Huey, obviously a, a, a former uh, top guy in, in doubles, great yeah. to see him playing uh, at, at 36. Uh, and still still winning titles. In the final, they beat uh, Tung Lin Wu and Zhizhen Zhang. Right. Should we move on to the match of the week and upset of the week? Uh Sure. Yeah, who's your, who's your upset?
1: Uh, my upset of the week, I kind of want to go a bit against the grain. It was against my pick. Uh, probably the, the right call is probably menendez Mercedes, escobedo but I'm going to go with Van Rijtoven losing to Mochizuki. Like that really caught me off guard, especially with the... Uh, serve issues that uh, mochizuki has recently had like 10 at least 10 double faults in every single match and it just felt like on altitude especially that van reythoven would just be able to you know win this one easily i think he had like a few good matches at salinas last year and I, i just felt like these conditions would be great for him but he hasn't really been himself since uh since indoors in europe so
2: yeah, I, I felt like there were there were a couple of um ones to consider. I, I initially wrote down uh Pereira beating Kozlov one in love, uh because Pereira was not even on my radar at all. And Kozlov obviously has been bad and, and injured. Um but yeah, I'm gonna go for Menendez Maceiras beating beating Escobedo, especially in straight sets. That, that was a shock to me.
1: Yeah, looking like at, at the book uh, for the book is it's actually like Menendez Maceras and Escobedo is like the Third pick. The second yeah. one is Olivieri over Bagnis, which is very weird to me. I remember us saying that this is a potentially tricky match. Yeah, uh, like I'm not saying Olivieri was the Olivieri was the favorite, but just not to this extent. And the highest odds were actually on Nanda beating Barrios Vera.
2: That that, that that's probably pretty fair, just odds wise. Uh, since Nanda, uh, wasn't I mean. In in- for
1: him okay yeah okay it makes more sense now because actually i i was like barrios vera didn't even do that well on on green clay so far and it's absolutely true but in sarasota they played and barrios vera won losing three games so okay uh yeah that's fair that's fair then i i did not i did not remember there much so yeah that's fair
2: uh who's your match of the week
1: uh my match of the week which i sort of hinted at before is going to be mute uh, against china i have no idea if that's how current if that's the experience of watching him live every single time but if it is it's just crazy i mean wow 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 this was just such a clownery and uh I I, I not even know what to say really. Like the the guy, the, the reactions that he had, the 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 banter that he had with the crowd and with the empire. It was just a never-ending clown fiesta, and I <laughs> uh, I was really tired after watching this. I still like the fact that I was there to to see it live because honestly, on the stream, it's just nothing like this. You're also not probably not as focused on. Uh, yeah. At least usually when, I, when I'm watching tennis, I'm not as focused as, as on what's going on in terms of the interactions between the player, between the umpire, between the player and the crowd. And usually there's like very little interactions. And with Moutet, he just never really stopped talking. And it's it wasn't like uh, with uh, Lestienne where he was mostly talking in French. Moutet was just going around in, in both French and English uh just switching <laughs> switching between it very uh, very yeah. often and yeah
2: just i i wow. know exactly what you're talking about i saw uh mute it was my first match when i went to uh, bratislava the, the summer one in twenty nineteen mm-hmm. posed uh, to shafranek in a three set match uh, and he was—he was incredibly. He didn't shut up. The entire match was incredibly frustrated the whole time. I think it's partially because chef Adley, When you, when you watch him play, he looks to me like an amateur player. Just like the the, the the strokes and like the, the stuff that he wears is like too big for him and all this stuff.
1: I actually did watch Safranek this week. Uh, I don't remember having that sort
2: of yeah, a, an it,
1: impression, but yeah. maybe.
2: I, I looked at him and I'm like, this is a guy that you would see at a, at a, tennis, at club a tennis club yeah. 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 on a Thursday. Maybe. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, him beating with was was very entertaining, that, that full match. Uh, yeah, my match of the week, I think I sort of had bad luck to just my max selection of what, of what I chose to watch. Uh I've chosen to go for Rosencrantz beating Klein in, in qualifying, taking it back to the to the qualifying. Yeah, 7-6, 3-6-7-6, six, three, six, six, three match points saved. Um yeah, it's it sort of I, I didn't quite have the epiphany of you. Um, but I, I did sort of think like, wow, yeah, Rosencrantz is actually really holding in this in the, holding these rallies down and
1: yeah, uh, like I think towards the like the, in in the third set, right? Because at the beginning, I believe they were like very hit or miss in terms of the baseline rallies, but then Rosenkranz some really caught some nice rhythm and he kept it up towards the end of the week. Yeah,
2: right. Yes, should we take it to our previews? Uh sure. Great. Um, let's start in in and Provence, uh, one of the two one hundreds that we have this week, uh, and line one. You already know who it is. It's Benjamin Bonzi uh, facing qualifier.
1: <laughs> I, I, I actually didn't remember. Sorry, but I actually didn't remember who was in the top seat there because, I mean, four draws, it all mixes up. And I was like, no, no way Andre Martin is the top seat in <laughs> oh. no, no, Andre Martin. Thankfully, no. Thankfully, no.
2: no. Is, he, is he playing so like liga this week? Or I, I presume... Uh, we'll, we'll find out on Monday who's actually playing. And it's a whole weird situation where, where people come in midweek once they've lost. Uh, so I guess the liga is, is a mess. Uh, but anyway, yeah, he's, he's he's off this week. He's presumably doing that. Benjamin Bosi is here playing a qualifier. Winner facing Dominic Striker or another qualifier. So a great matchup right away in the second round, if you get it. Uh, then Fernando Vedasco plays Ramkumar Aramanathan. Winner facing Salvatore Caruso or Tituan Drogue. Second section, we have uh, Richard Gasquet uh, facing Manuel Kinar, which should be a great matchup. Kinar um, was in the final here last last year, right? yep yeah. uh, I think Gasquet coming off a, a quarterfinal in, in Estoril, where he lost to Baez, I think. So yes, should be a
1: matchup. That's all correct, yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, w- 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 winner plays uh, Alexander Muller or a qualifier. Then we have the aforementioned Corentin Moutet um, playing Liam Brody. Which would be a great match. Winner faces Gastau Elias or Nicolas Hari. Um, third section: Quentin Alice on his uh, quest for the uh, top 100, playing Antoine Huang, who he actually has an 0-3 record against. So Huang has been uh, quite bad this year, but he might come back to to you know spoil it all for for Alice. Uh Winner of that does face uh, Sasha Guimard Vainberg or a qualifier. So, a potentially nice draw there. Um, then we have Varillas playing Andrea Pellegrino when we're facing Gregor barre or Joe Wilfrid Tsonga, uh, Tsonga in his presumably last ever ever challenger uh, since he's retiring after the French Open. I I, I don't think that he's, he's... Does he have time to play, to play another one? I don't actually know.
1: I don't know either. I mean, he probably has time to play another one when there's Ramgara's qualities, but I don't know this is a wild card for him so so I guess we're not going to know until like closer to the events. Oh he actually yeah. has a wild card set up for Lyon already but that's a 250. So
2: yeah but, but, uh, but, but yeah. potentially for for Bordeaux uh maybe he'll he'll come in with Yeah the he
1: could he could play Bordeaux
2: yeah. But yeah well, in, in in yeah in, in the lead up to his to his um career ending so we'll we'll be sure to watch him. And in the final section, Daniel Altmaier, the second seed, plays a qualifier. uh, The winner of that facing Hugo Grenier or Antoine Escoffier. Also in the section is Pablo Cuevas as the fifth seed playing a qualifier. Winner facing Konstantin Lestien or Pavel Kotov. Um, As for the qualifier, we have Alexey Popirin uh, popping up. (laughs) Complete surprise. Uh, A a guy who's barely out of the top 100 uh, in, in qualifying. Uh, but he actually has, yeah. He, he beats Cervantes, but he's he's playing Jonathan Ayseric, who was in, in great form last week. So that would be a really funny upset. Uh, yeah, potentially good bet. I might I might throw something on that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Then we also have who do we have Vanash, uh, Jacquet. Yeah. Who do you like here in in accent Provence?
1: Yeah. Uh... Gabriel De Bru as well in the quality. He's, he, he, he was obviously 15 when he won that uh, Challenger match last year. Uh, big story. Uh, right now he sort of slowed down probably, but he had, had a great win against Alvarez-Varona today. Uh, yeah, uh, a lot of quality matchups here. Uh, some of the those you mentioned, like the, that section, Gasquet, Guinard, uh, Elias, Jari and Brody like, I I want to watch every single match there. And I definitely don't want to pick out of this section. I certainly don't want to pick out of the section with Varias and Alice again. I don't think neither. I think neither of them is particularly uh, like certain to get to the semis. Uh, like the, their, their section is weak, probably, even though like when you're looking at the names, you know, Oang, Barer, Pellegrino, Tsonga, that's all seems great. But recently they just haven't been doing that well. Altmaier could be a strong pick, but the last time we saw him, I I, I still want to see something first before I actually start picking him again, because the last time we saw him, he was just, just bad. Yeah, like that. That was that was a shocker. Uh, and I think I'm just gonna go for Bonzi. I I don't really know what else to do. He was excellent in a story, uh playing team and Corda, right? He lost yeah. to Corda, yeah. I think. Yeah, he was pretty excellent there. Uh, I don't think clay is his best surface, uh, but he was still obviously winning challengers. He <laughs> he would have won challengers on any on anything last year, but uh, he won one in in Ostrava, I think. Uh, so I I think I'm just gonna go with Benjamin Bonzi. Uh, because I just don't really know what to do. I like the section, even though Striker is in it. Uh, that's obviously that there's always like the danger that Striker is gonna come out and play a lights out. Uh, but I think I, I'm just gonna have to live with it and just go with Bonzi.
2: Yeah, um Bonzi is also the guy for me. Um it's it's I don't know. But when this guy pops up at a challenger, I, I feel I feel an obligation to pick him. Uh but yeah, obviously Clay is in his best surface. He gets a qualifier to start It's it's not it's not a draw that I completely love. Um, but in in Bonzi we trust. Here we go. Right. Uh, Seven
1: actually he's got seven, one uh seven challenger finals, one in a row. By the way, didn't even realize he lost his first three and now he's seven free.
2: That's that's wild. Uh, I, I I wonder what the what the record is for consecutive challenges. Consecutive
1: finals. Challenger Finals won. I don't know. But then I might have
2: it. <laughs> no, no, that's all I know, but I, I have no clue. Um right. Uh let's go to uh Mauthausen, where we've had a a, a bit of a, a change in the draw with Norbert Gombosch pulling out uh, through Illness. I think he's just disguising that he really wants to play the Extraliga, Liga, uh, which he's, he's on the roster for as well. Uh, but yeah, the light, light one, we have John Millman playing a qualifier. Uh, winner of that facing uh, Enzo Cuaco or Cedrima Soshtebe. Uh, seen in the section is uh, Zdeni Kolarz playing Franco Aguilone, uh Winner facing Damir Jumhur or a qualifier. Second section. Daniel Elahi Galan plays a qualifier winner facing Yuri Rodionov or Lukasz Latsko. Then we have Mats Morang playing out of when winner facing Attila Balaj or a qualifier. Third section we have Denis Novak uh, playing Daniel Masur winner facing Borna Goyo or Gerald Melzer. Also Igor uh, Gerasimov playing a qualifier winner facing Nino Sedarusic or another qualifier. Final section, Yizhi Lehechka plays team face Katov, winner facing uh, Blažerola or Filip Misolic. And then we have Radu Albor playing Jozef Kovalik, winner facing a qualifier or Lukas Neumayer. Um, as for the qualifying, we have a Klein Valkus uh, matchup. So whoever makes it out of that, I think, I think will be a, a quality qualifier, uh, certainly deserved. We had uh, Maciej Sabanov beat uh, Jeremy Jan uh, in, in qualifying, which is puzzling. Um, Shevchenko might, might qualify, he, he might be dangerous. Um, yes, who do you like here in, in Mauthausen?
1: Yeah, Shevchenko against Viola on that sounds like a, like a very good chance for him. He's wasted some of these in the past. But yeah, the, these uh, these Hungarian uh, guys are very interesting. He like Maroshan as well, playing Matej Sabanov, which should be an easy match for him. Yeah. Uh, Rosenkrantz as well, playing Sanchez Izquierdo. We'll see if that improvement to his base and game on clay is actually going to stay here. Although, obviously, Sanchez Izquierdo wouldn't be a bad loss at all. Uh, I do have my mind set on, on a pick. Uh, by the way, a trivia question, when did John Millman r- last play a challenger event?
2: Um, I actually wrote this down. No. September 19, sorry about that. Uh, no. but yeah, I, I, I don't remember which challenger it was. Yeah. Ka- Kao
1: Shung or something like this. Uh, I actually would, I, I mean, I wasn't sure. So that's why I started checking, but I actually would have guessed it right because it was one of the, I believe there were just three events that year that were on carpet. Uh, Before the pandemic, there were still carpet events in Asia as well. I I think one that year was won by Denis Novak as well. Taipei City, maybe. Uh, It doesn't matter at all. (laughs) But anyhow, a a long time, uh, almost three years. Uh, So I I was kind of surprised to see him him here. That's why I was thinking about it. Um, Okay, maybe I've got two guys that I'm thinking about mostly in terms of the winner picks. And one of them is Galan. Um, is he just gonna get, have a smooth transition from the green clay to here? The draw is pretty nice. Rodionov not in particularly good form. Latchko obviously, yeah. You 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 were sort of uh, telling me before I went to Ostrava that this was going to be a not not a pleasing sight, Lajko and clay. Um, I think as as long as he like stood in one place and was allowed to hit, he was it was pretty good to watch when he had to move that was, that was... yeah yeah
2: that, that, that's where the trouble comes for for let's go his, his ground yeah. especially the forehead is beautiful to watch uh but, but yeah at this point in his career putting him on clay it's it's, it's a, you know torture in some ways <laughs> it's, it's,
1: it's really interesting it, it's never good
2: on clay to start with and to do it to him at this point in his career it's it's rough
1: yeah. yeah, he does it to himself. But anyhow, um, yeah. I think I'm not gonna go with Galland. but I think I'm gonna go with Leheczka. Uh Scatov just lost to Draper very easily. By the way, we didn't even mention Draper in Rome, which sucked yeah. because we, we we totally should have. Uh, you know the way he we, the way we weren't really certain about him on clay, and then he gave us sort of mixed signals, right? Yeah. Because yeah. He, he 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 dismounted.
2: Lost to Tapiery. Um, yeah, more, more, more needed until we we pick him to win something on clay. Yeah, That's first.
1: But he 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 did beat Sonego today in Madrid, but Madrid doesn't really play like any other clay court. So yeah, it, um, it's a weird one. Yeah, yeah. So I I'm not sure if we should read into that a lot, but he he, he should benefit from these con uh, you know from these conditions in Madrid, anyhow. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with Lehechka again. Skatov is in not not in great form. Other than that, I kind of like the draw. I think he's been a little bit up and a little bit up and down in recent weeks. But generally, uh, he had a slump post Rotterdam. But I think he's out of it. And if he wins like one or two rounds here, then I think he could be a contender for the title.
2: Yeah, Le- Lehechka. I'm I'm considering. Um galan that does have to you know fly in I, I i i wait i i guess he actually had a week off he didn't play savannah
1: yeah week, he but. didn't play it, so so it's possible that he's here for, he's been here for like five days or something yeah
2: i'm i'm sort of thinking about galan yeah i'm i'm gonna change it initially i wrote down the hedge i'm gonna go Galan here um yeah, why why not? Uh I, I I I don't really want to match with you uh this whole way. This the section should be an easy one for him to make the semifinals. Um he's probably the favorite for the final out of out of that half, uh to be completely honest. Yeah, I also wanted to mention uh, Radu Radwa and Josef Kovalik will be meeting for the eighth time already in their careers, for the first time since 2018. Uh, but eighth time total. So, you know, it's, it's 4-3 for, for Albot. Hopefully Kovalik ties that one up. But yeah, going Galan.
1: Cool. Let's go to Prague then. The third and final events of a European events that we have this year.
2: Yes. Uh, and, the, and the first 80 that we have uh, sort of reflected in the weaker field compared to Mauthausen and, and Accent Provence. Uh, the top seed is Alexander Vukic playing Ryan Peniston though, which is a, a cracker of a of a matchup, <laughs> uh considering Peniston's result uh in in Ostrava. Uh the winner of that pay, plays Tomas Fabiano or a qualifier. Uh they mean Pedro Cacin playing Dalibor Svrcina and Evan Fernes playing Sebastian Ofner. So uh, just a, a cluster of these guys who are these guys who are in form, uh all in the same section should make for some. Pretty good tennis. Uh, second section, we have Witko playing Mirza Basic when are facing Andrea Annaboldi or a qualifier. Uh, then there's Juan Pablo Fikovic playing Jeffrey Blancano, uh, when are playing Vitali Sachko or a qualifier. Third section, Tomasz Machacz plays a qualifier when are facing Mario Kopil or Lorenzo Giustino. Uh, then there's Federico Gaio playing a qualifier uh, and he could play Jonas Forytek or another qualifier in the second round. Final section, Nuno Borges plays Ricardo Bonadio, um, winner facing Dimitar Kuzmanov or Ilya Marchenko. Jesper de Jong plays Martin Krumich, uh, and Maximil- Maximilian Materer plays Andrew Paulson. Out of the qualifying, uh, Max Purcell is here, singles and doubles. Uh, so that's, that's sort of interesting. He played uh, Martin Dam, who got a wild card in here despite not representing the Czech Republic. Uh, but. America. Um yeah, some other guys. Lukaj Rosol, Daniel Michalski, but probably no extraordinary danger from the qualifying here. Uh yeah. yeah so who, who do you like here in this draw?
1: Yeah, as you said, probably no, uh, probably not much danger from the qualies unless Purcell can do something. Uh yeah, this is like the, this is the second qualifying draw we have this week already that has the first seed who is an alternate. Uh, which is kind of interesting. I I, I honestly miss Purcell. I, I remembered Popperin was there, but not. Uh, yeah, as you said, the first section will bring us a lot of quality tennis, but that also means that uh, it's not really great in terms of the picking <laughs> competition. <laughs> but I definitely want to watch China Kaczy. That's like a super huge matchup. And Vukic Peniston Fairness off as well, if they happen, because I'm assuming like one of Peniston Fairness could withdraw or something uh then like in the in the second quarter there's other than maybe Sachko there's like no one who I'm seriously considering so it's like a really uneven draw in that sense and i i should probably go for Nuno borges but i'm not going to uh reasoning is because i see something crazy that i really want to go for and it's not ricardo bonadio i promise And I also talked about a few times that if when Borges is playing doubles with Cabral and they're going deep, it's happened before that Borges had no energy in singles. Uh, So I'm going to go with a pretty wild pick and going to go with Jonas Freytek.
2: Oh, wow. All right. That's an interesting one. I wasn't expecting that. Um, As for Borges and Cabral, they they won in in Estoril in their main draw debut. Um, so great story there, uh, but yeah, you, you could probably expect some fatigue maybe from that, uh, playing that late into the week, and, and they're, they're also playing here as the third seats. Um, so I'm also not going Borges, I'm going something a little weird from the same section that, that you actually picked out of, I'm going for Tomáš Macháč. Is that weird? Uh, I mean... It, it, his his last match he he retired from um, yeah so so, so, so I guess that that that's the that's a weird portion for me that he had a, a rib injury I think I read yeah um and and that was just just uh, a, a week ago basically but yeah I I do like him in this draw Copil Justino doesn't threaten me, 4 doesn't particularly threaten me.
1: Uh, <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, I am very satisfied with my pick, actually.
2: Mahaj doesn't threaten me, so. Oh, yeah, I mean, there, there, there's unlikely to be Svrcina standing in his way uh, this time. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll see. Well, yeah, it should, should be fun, especially if they match up in the quarterfinals. Hopefully they both get there. Um,
1: it, it looks very
2: possible. Giustino was actually playing pretty well in Uh, Mm Nostrava,
1: I I gotta say. Uh, This was also one of the guys where I I was like talking to my friend about it that uh, Lorenzo Giustino is like a player that I never voluntarily watch. Like, I watch him when he's in, uh, in a deep stage at the Challenger or when he's playing someone I really wanna see. But, like, you know, it's not someone that really gets my blood pumping but I did see him in two matches this week against uh, Barrer and against uh, Rosenkrantz. And in both, honestly, uh, it was great fun. Uh, Again, like the the, the fact that the streaming or even TV kind of makes all balls look the same. Like it's just sort of evens out everything and you don't really see the... Uh, all the dimensions of how someone plays tennis, I think, and and, and uh yeah, Justino you know, was so much better to watch live than uh, than he was on stream for me. Yeah. Uh, so to sum up, you have Mahat uh, and I have and I have
2: Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm definitely jealous of you for, for getting to go to that tournament. It's it's been a long time since I've seen live tennis. Um, obviously missed out on my Glasgow opportunity uh, due to COVID. <laughs> that, that that was that was earlier this year. Hoping uh, we're going to have the Davis Cup group stage here though So hopefully I'll I'll get into Ooh. that Stadium um, Yeah, see some tennis um, Yeah, to close us out here this week We have Salvador uh, An 80 in Brazil, I think Yeah uh, Yeah, the top seed is Tomas Barrios Vera uh, Playing João Menezes Winner facing João Lucas uh, Reis da Silva or qualifier Then we have Gonzalo Lama playing a qualifier, winner facing uh, Mateus Alves or Gustavo Haida. Third section, uh, sorry, not third section, second section, um, we have Felipe Meligeni playing Gonzalo Villanueva, uh, winner facing Juan Bautista Torres or Enan Casanova. Uh, then there's Santiago Farrodriguez rodriguez uh, playing Paul Martin Tifon, winner facing Nicolas Alvarez or Daniel Dutra da Silva. Third section, Camilo Gucarabéi plays Joao Dominguez. Hugo withdrew, actually. So. Oh, he, he withdrew. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is, is there another seat in that spot or uh, just uh, a loser? I don't think so.
1: I think it's a qualifier slash lucky loser, but I might be wrong. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, so yeah. You know, no Um uh, Joao Dominguez plays a the qualifier. Um, then Francisco Comesana or Nick Hart. That makes uh, Mateus Bucinelli de Almeida the high seed in that section, playing a qualifier, and then Cristian Rodriguez or Facundo Juarez. Uh, final section, we have Renzo Olivo uh, playing qualifier, uh, then Gilbert Clier Jr. or another qualifier, and there's Nicolas Kiker playing a qualifier, and uh, then facing either Orlando Luz or João Victor couto Um Yeah, who do you like here out of these guys in, in Salvador?
1: Yeah, as you as you mentioned, this is definitely the weaker draw, uh, the weakest draw of, of the four that we have. Every every single South American that wants to do well on clay is slowly gearing up for Europe. So that's what we're gonna get in Salvador de Bahia and Coquimbo as well next week. Um, yeah, I'm I, usually when I'm talking this much about some useless topic, it's because I have no idea who to pick. So I'm also gonna look at the qualies as well and there's a lot of bias which also tells you about the fact that there's not many players to play this but you know potentially Adrian Andreev is a is a very interesting top seed apparently this event is also on green clay which i didn't know uh yeah it says in the in the pdf yeah. that this is on hard true so um uh, that's that's, that's pretty important sad. yeah
2: uh, that's that- that interesting uh didn't expect that um. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll stick with my pick that I that I picked. Before.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it changes much because we don't really know how these guys are doing on green clay. Like we yeah. we know how Barrios is doing, but other than that, Olivo maybe pro- probably played some or like some of the experienced guys like Kicker, but most of them probably didn't really. You know, we don't we don't really have any good big sample size on them. Um I don't think other than Adrian Andreev then there was anyone in the qualities. Actually, you know, I I kind of want to go for a very stupid pick now. And I mean, I have to check how this guy just did in uh in the states because I think he yeah, he retired not long ago. So this could be really stupid. Uh but you know what? I I don't know. I I feel like it. Let's go
2: Adrian Andreev. Oh wow, that's <laughs> that sure is daring. Um Adil Andreev, yeah, was coming off uh, Sarasota quarterfinal. To be fair, that was a while ago. But he yeah, was very... it was a
1: while ago. That's why I decided to to go for it anyway. I mean, he just has some green clay experience. He was good on it. So um, I mean, I don't know. It's it's a wild pick, but I just didn't really know what to go for.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm basically weighing up Barrios Vera and and uh, Olivo mostly. Borey. That's what I'm looking at here. <laughs> um, and you know what? I'll I'll do it. I'll I'll go for Renzo Olivo. I really like the section. Wow, uh, the second the second seed. You're so brave. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you do something stupid, that doesn't mean <laughs> that I do something stupid. Uh, but <laughs> No, yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm going to stick with my second seed. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm not going to be rattled. Um, yeah, lost lost to Koyarini last week, but you know wasn't wasn't in, was in good form. The section is really weak. Kiketa hasn't been playing anything this year. Five and eleven. Um, who else is in here? Orlando Luz has literally not won a match this year. Uh, then you have a, a wild card and, and Clear Junior, who I don't know. Um yeah, it's, it's it's an easy, easy section. I, I like to leave it to the semifinals and then who, who knows what happens from there.
1: Yeah, I just realized that uh my pick is slightly more stupid than I thought because most of the quality spots are uh against seeds.
2: Yeah. I mean some like some of them aren't bad. I I think Kiket is a good one to get.
1: Yeah, Lama maybe. Uh, Green clay against Andreev, right? I think Andreev would be the favorite.
2: Yeah, but you, you actually, you know, even if he loses to, to Wilson later uh tomorrow, he, he's going to be as a lucky loser. So there you go. You, oh, you're right. So he's he's actually 50%.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you,
2: you've maximized your chances of getting the guy in. Um,
1: but <laughs> yeah, but imagine if he actually wins this event, how... Uh, smart
2: am I gonna look that's that's gonna you you look very smart but i don't I don't think that yeah i'll I'll bring this up at the end of the year when we do our stupidest picks i <laughs> think <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs>
1: I'm not going to comment because this is literally coming from a guy who just picks between the first and the second seat. I
2: mean, okay, there's no third seat, first of all. Uh, The section with the fourth seat is is tough. No, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Anyhow, uh,
1: we promised you a 90-minute episode last time, I believe. And I think we did deliver on it. I'm not sure how long it is exactly, but I'm also going to have to uh, introduce, you know, insert these four minutes with Pennington and Rosencrantz in here. So uh, I, I think it could be about a half an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, so thanks for listening. If you stayed with us still this long, uh, I, I really, uh, we really appreciate it because this is, uh, no one has time for that really. And uh, yeah, we're, we're going to see you in a week. Uh, when we're going to discuss uh, prague exon provence um Mauthausen. Alvador de Bache, and yeah Maut, Maut, Mauthausen. i i it's honestly the first time i'm hearing this this name like i i've heard it a couple of weeks ago when i saw that there was a challenger there but i mean before that i Okay, when I typed in Mauthausen into Google, it, the first thing is Mauthausen concentration camp. Yeah, uh, yeah. I,
2: yeah. I was looking up to, to see what the weather is supposed to be like. It's supposed to be a pretty rainy week. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's actually
1: a very popular concentration camp from the Second World <laughs> War. Uh, I mean, a very popular concentration camp. I don't know why you're laughing. About it.
2: I, I mean, no no it's, it's fine only a concentration camp popular is uh ah,
1: okay yeah i i didn't i didn't even realize yeah very
2: popular <laughs> did i really say that yeah oh. very popular concentration camp
1: yeah okay yeah that yeah that, that's my fault but i mean there are uh, concentration camps that are more famous oh yeah maybe famous is 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 the better word than popular that that's that's really what i meant anyhow yeah let's not talk about concentration camps here let's just finish this off uh thanks for listening again we'll see you in a week bye
0: Hope all of you enjoyed another ATP Challenger-centric episode from Cracked Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Babro. I say this every week. I mean it. each time I do, you will not find two people more informed, more passionate about everything happening at the Challenger level than them. So a huge thank you for their continued contributions to this show. Of course, as I mentioned at the top, we've got you covered for everything happening in what is a busy time of the year in the tennis world. Action in Madrid, covered over on the Mini Break podcast. NCAA Tournament Preview covered here on the Great Shot podcast feed. Upcoming events, things to get excited about in the summer covered over on our Cracked Interviews podcast and, of course, all of our live shows, all of our video content available on our YouTube channel as well. You can find all of it on our website, crackedrackets.com. Of course, like, rate, subscribe for you to this show, the Mini Break podcast feed, uh, Cracked Interviews podcast feed to ensure that you don't miss out on any of the action. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. you want to message me directly, I am at at AL Gruskin, a shout-out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff for the f*** of an editing job he does day in, day out, making everything possible. A shout-out, as well, to our friends at Turner. Remember, contact sales at UniqueSports.com today to join the Turner family with all of that said for the fantastic Damian Kustan, Daniel our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Turner. And from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the, the uh, Tennis Channel Podcast Network, there it is. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey. Great shot, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.